the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives, sponsored by RC Auto, me and myrc.com. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the Rescuers radio show here at faithtalk1360.com. And I have a wonderful guest uh, uh, t- today. Her name is Kristen Merrifield and the CEO of the Alliance of Arizona Nonprofits. And we're going to dig down deep into what that is, what do they do, how do they help thousands of nonprofits across the state that are in uh, financial trouble, uh, whatever, whatever they need. This, this association is the umbrella that, uh, that can help a lot of those uh, frustrated uh, nonprofits. And and Kristen, good morning, or uh, hello, <laughs> I'll say. Hello, hi, Art. I'm so Thanks glad, for having me on. So today. glad to have you on the program today. And uh, so, first of all, I always like fi- uh, allowing our audience to uh, get a little background on my guests. So, uh, how did you get to this position? Are, are you a Phoenix native? Did you? How did you arrive here and and, and ultimately get into this position? Sure. Well, I actually grew up in Houston, Texas, so I still consider that my hometown, but I've been here since 2000, so 20 years now. So I definitely have fallen in love with Arizona and the Phoenix metro area specifically and started my career doing, you know, the normal things that you do when you're first out of high school and college and finally found my way to what I would consider my career now when I started working at the Greater Phoenix Chamber of Commerce in the early 2000s, and then went on to work at the Arizona Small Business Association for about nine years before coming to the Alliance, and just really enjoy the opportunity to to serve the community, whether that's supporting local small businesses or now supporting local nonprofit organizations. It's been a wonderful opportunity to make really meaningful relationships and an impact on the community. Fantastic! I, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I wasn't aware that you also help uh, business situations outside of nonprofits. Yes, I spent uh, about gosh twelve to fifteen years when I first came to Arizona working with local small businesses, and now I've spent the past five supporting the nonprofit community. And it's interesting because. You know, there's a lot of similarities between both types of organizations. They still, you know, struggle to find sources of revenue. They still have employees. They um, are doing things in the community. It's just a little bit different depending on what type of organization you work for. Nice. And 
And uh, so we're, we're going to drill down into these, these uh, both sides of that, that issue. And uh, I see a headline uh, from a media, uh, a media headline that I pulled off uh, your website. Uh, is it possible, I'm, I'm reading these correct, it could be a loss of $433 million by the end of the year? Yes, unfortunately, that is correct. And when you think about the fact that uh, I think you're referring to our survey, that's only about 490 organizations that have responded. And to your opening statement, you know, we have thousands of nonprofits in the state of Arizona. So this is just kind of a glimpse into the the impact that they're experiencing. So I see the number of nonprofits, uh, 20,000. And uh, I I had no idea there were that many nonprofit nonprofits in our state. You're not alone, Art. I, that's one of my favorite uh, reactions when I talk to folks about how many nonprofits. And normally they're in the range of I think we have a couple hundred, and then I get to see their jaw drop when I talk about that <laughs> number. And you know that's everything from the small local backpack drive, parents association, all the way up to our large hospitals and. Um, educational institutions, so it's quite a broad array of organizations. Wow, that's 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 a big number, and I, I was shocked to see that. Um, so, uh, before COVID, we'll get into that in just a moment because that's the big banana. But before mm-hmm. COVID, uh, what was your what was your alliance uh, like in in helping them before this? You know, it was it's kind of that classic scenario right before crisis hits you always say well it was a sunny afternoon and you know march and um <laughs> things were were going fairly well for the alliance and for our organization we um you know we're seeing a lot of really positive things come out of the nonprofit sector and uh we were gearing up to start uh our annual fundraiser that we do for nonprofits which happened in april and we were expanding to northern arizona to be able to serve the nonprofits located in rural cities there. And so there was a lot of really fantastic things happening. And of course, you know, then the world changed as we all have started to refer to that as, but things were, were bustling and uh, we were doing a lot of programming, a lot of advocacy on behalf of the sector. Um, so things were, were kind of status quo, but not in a bad way. So I have to ask in the nonprofit sector, there's a lot of different kinds of nonprofits. Um, sure. For 30 years, nearly 30 years, I, I was CEO of the Arizona Broadcasters Association. That's a C6. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and so do you have C3s, C4, uh, C6s? What, what, sure. what, what categories do they do they fall in? Yeah, primarily our organizations are 501c3s. And, you know, for your listeners, that would just be your normal charitable organization that you think of a food bank or an animal welfare organization or kind of those organizations that you would think of as charitable nonprofits. We do have a couple of 501c6s, which are, you know, trade associations, chambers of commerce. And then we also have a few 501c4s, which are organizations that are a bit more involved in um, the political spectrum that do social welfare, advocacy, et cetera. But the majority are the 501c3s. And c6s advocate government as well. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> I know that well. We sure do. So, if you don't mind my, uh, if I can make a selfless uh, plug here for myself, 
I noticed sure. I noticed that you you've been around the uh, AZSAE world. Yes. And in 2002, I was uh, their executive of the year. Awesome. I knew your name sounded familiar. I'm like, where <laughs> do I know him from? So I didn't know if you were how, how far back you go with that organization, but uh, that was a lot of fun. What year was that, Art? Pardon me? Uh, 2002. What year was that? 2002 was right before I would have come to be involved in association work. So I just missed you. <laughs> so I don't mind. I hope you don't mind me dropping that plug in there. So. No, that's great. Yeah. Uh, AZSAE, for those that don't know, is the Arizona Society of Association Executives of all of these nonprofits. And a lot of them belong to that association. Yes. So, wonderful organization. <laughs> so I, I'm really curious about your business model. You are... You are the umbrella to all of these thousands of nonprofits and to help them financially, to help them organizationally, all the above. What what exactly is that? Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, for those that aren't as familiar with the Alliance, I often refer to us, you know, thinking about either a, a chamber of commerce, which a lot of people are familiar with, or, you know, the dentist association or the CPA association, we are that for the nonprofit sector. So we do things um, such as advocacy, we actually advocate to on behalf of the nonprofit sector. And we nice. also teach them how to advocate on behalf of their own causes. And then we provide training and education to help their Uh, employees and their leadership learn new skills or learn things that are going to help them grow their organization and serve the community. And then we have a variety of other resources that, to your point, help them find grants. We have a grants database, and we also do a lot of training on how to search for and acquire and manage grants after you receive them. And then one of the biggest things that I'm most proud of is that we run Arizona Gives Day, which is the annual 24 online uh, day of fundraising. And this past year, you know, with everything happening with COVID, it fell right in the middle of all that. And we were uncertain what that might look like, but we were overwhelmed. We actually almost doubled what we did in 2019. We raised just over $6 million for the participating nonprofits and man, they sure needed it this year. So we were thrilled with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to step away for a message from our sponsor and uh, I'll be right back. One of my greatest joys in life has been obtaining a vehicle from RC Auto. Yes, I said a joy in reference in buying or leasing a vehicle. Instead of walking into a car dealership lot and facing a horde of vultures waiting for you, you are invited into a calm, friendly office where you will be asked things like, what have you been driving? What are you looking for? What is your budget? Well, that's when the car buying or leasing experience changes into an easy educational experience. RC Auto is not a typical car or truck dealership, so they have the advantage of seeking different brands like Toyota, Lexus, Subaru, and more from a broad selection from sources that you never have to visit or arm wrestle a salesperson for. The joy is not being sold but educated into the right decision for you. For your next vehicle, go to RC Auto, where it's more than just an exchange of keys. It's a relationship. Make an appointment today at meandmyrc.com. Okay, Christian. Uh, So um, 
let's go let's go down into the covid it, that's the spoiler of everybody's game right it's just right. uh, it's we didn't we didn't see it coming a few months ago and now we're embroiled in it we're still in it arizona is one of the worst states right now we have, i'm not sure we've peaked yet yeah so the number of cases and deaths seems to go up every day and uh so in this $433 million loss amongst all of these nonprofits, uh, what's the answer? Well, how do you help them resolve and and not go totally under in this in this situation? Yeah, that's that's the million dollar. Well, that's the uh, $270 million yeah. question, right? Yeah. Um, so for us, you know, the first thing for us was understanding the impact. You know, we needed to to quickly assess what type of impact this was going to be. And that's why we did two surveys, one when everything hit in mid-March, and then again uh, a few weeks ago because we knew that it had ballooned, unfortunately. And so just, you know, they say knowledge is power. Um, just having that data and information has been hugely helpful in talking to the media, uh, in telling the story of the nonprofit sector and their impact and talking to our elected officials. These numbers have opened doors for us because, you know, a lot of us have heard, you know, much in the media and in the news and on social media about um, the restaurant industry, right? And the negative impact that that's had and what can we do as consumers to support that? We're hearing a lot about tourism industry. um, And that's because they have the data and the numbers to talk about that. So this helped us have a seat at that table and to make sure that the nonprofit story was being told uh, because a lot of these organizations never closed their doors. Mm. You know, they were considered essential and they've been open and providing services to the community this entire time. So that's been a, a really big piece of the work we've done on their behalf. And then working with a lot of our corporate and foundation partners to help uh, set up emergency relief funds for these organizations, which have been immensely helpful. We've worked with funders to relax their Uh, giving criteria. So for example, maybe they gave a grant of $50,000 to a local shelter and they said, we want you to use that for this program. But then they said, you know what, with everything happening, you can use that however you see fit. So those are some of the big things Mm -hmm. and ways we've been trying to get resources to the sector. So uh, when when money comes in, grants or whatever that is, even if it's uh part of the PPE program for you sure. know, the, that comes through. Are you the filter for all of that to all the nonprofits or do they have a hand in this on their own? You know, I think depending on how, uh, how much capacity they have themselves, you know, some of the larger organizations may have teams of folks that are following that, but for the majority, we have been the, the clearinghouse uh, from about day one, we created an online portal for COVID-19 for nonprofits that's been updated daily with you know grant opportunities with programs like the paycheck protection program we've done a lot of webinars that have all been free for any nonprofits so that they can hear from the subject matter experts on how to fill out the applications and where to go to find additional funding or where can they go to find you know uh, protective gear and masks and sanitizers and all that so uh, we've really tried to get that information out to as many nonprofits as we can i would imagine some of the smaller or medium size are down to a bare minimum staff, right? Right, especially if they, um, well, even if they were on the front lines providing direct service. Um, Our survey even talks about, you know, the number of layoffs and furloughs that have happened in the nonprofit sector. About 25% said that they had to do that. 
Um, and then the bigger thing, though, is the loss of volunteers. You probably know that a lot of nonprofits rely on volunteers to help them perform their services for the community. Absolutely. And about nearly 70% of the survey respondents said that they'd lost a total of about 36,000 volunteers. So that's been a huge impact to their ability to carry out those services. So I'm going to ask you a question about other uh, uh, substantial organizations that are helping as well in all of this. And I'm sure you're working firsthand with these, like the, the Arizona community foundation, uh, the Thunderbirds, uh, APS foundation, uh, United way. These are all areas that, that are known even without before COVID uh, to go to for grant money and so forth. But right now they're desperately needed, right? Absolutely. And I, and the ones you've mentioned, along with so many others, have truly stepped up to the plate and shifted and made funding a priority. They've, they've made it so much easier for nonprofits to apply for that funding. They've, um, you know, uh, made it more speedy as far as how much money, how the money is getting out to the nonprofits quicker. Um, Arizona Gives Day, you know, is another example of that. We expedited all of the distribution of those funds so that they got to the nonprofits sooner. So everyone's really stepped up and worked in collaboration and partnership. What's really beautiful about times like these are is that we've seen folks that have stepped up, whether that's individual donors, foundations, corporate, and there's not this desire for anyone to to seek credit. It's all been about getting those dollars to the nonprofits who then get that those resources to those that need it most. So that's been really beautiful to see. What about you know, the, the other part of COVID, the, the, the uglier part, I think, rather than, you know, there's the loss of money, that's obvious, sure. and staff, that's obvious. But the statistics of domestic violence, the statistics yes. of addictions are rising crazily right now. Right. And that has to be affecting this world. Absolutely. Um, you know, the other side of this is that while you know, in the for-profit sector, when we go through things like this, or we go through a recession, the for-profit sector sees a a decrease in revenue, but they also see a decrease in demand. Yes. The nonprofit sector is not so. They're actually seeing an increase in demand for all those reasons and more that you mentioned. Um, And so that's the flip side of this coin of why it's truly important that we continue to support those nonprofits, because they're seeing an increase in folks that need food, that need shelter, that need protection. Um, all those things are increasing right now. I'm really, I'm really happy that you drew that out that way because uh, business businesses are, are, are their businesses dropping. Right. Unless they're restaurants where you have a good takeout service, uh, which, sure. which has really kept them alive, I think, in a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nonprofits can't do that. Uh, but but they're they're getting a lot of pressure to help more and right. and the resources are short. Right. And, you know, you used a great example of, of the takeout for the restaurants is there are a lot of organizations, both for profit and nonprofit, who are learning that they might have thought, you know, before COVID that they couldn't deliver services in a different model um, and a lot of nonprofits now are realizing that, you know, there's a lot of things that they can do in a virtual environment or in a modified environment, which I think um, will be positive as we move forward. Same for, you know, the example you used for restaurants. 
many of them never offered carry out before. And now they realize that it could be a profitable um, offering. So it'll be interesting to see how this shifts and change the delivery model of things that we do both for profit and nonprofit in our communities, because a lot of people are like, oh, I guess that can work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and, and media plays a big role in this, I think, because, and being a, yeah. being a media from that background, uh, I, I think they're being asked to carry a load that, that they didn't anticipate. Sure. But, but their outlet is to talk to the nonprofits, to talk to the food banks, to, to talk to the hospitals, to talk to all of these uh, various areas in the communities that are, that are uh, vital uh, to survival right. of a lot of people. And, uh, and, and you help with that as well. Yeah, that's something that the Alliance thankfully had um, geared up for before we knew this was coming. We actually engaged the PR firm for the first time last year, and we have been able to really work really great with the media. I mean, Art, you're a great example, you know, reaching out to us for this opportunity in telling the story. You know, the more that we can tell the story and the need and what the community needs from our nonprofit sector, that's really one of the strongest angles that we can use to continue to get to get support for this sector. So uh, we've been very fortunate to have great relationships with the media. Well, and I hope this program can help out a lot going forward. Um, Speaking of this program, uh, I've been on and off hosting programs or being interviewed for a lot of years. Um, the, The name Rescuers came to me right at the end of last year. And, oh, wow. and I'm thinking, well, who fits that? Law enforcement, EMTs, sure. uh, nonprofits. Uh, you know, there's a there's a world out there that we could call them rescuers. And our mission statement is who's changing and saving lives in our community. Yeah, that's great. Then before we even knew it in February and early March comes COVID. Oh, and right. I, and, and I said, God, this is what you intended, right? So, right. so, you prepared. so here we are. And, and that's what this program is all about. So I, I was just thrilled to find out about you and, and, and your uh, nonprofit for nonprofits in the world. I was <laughs> staggered with the number though. <laughs> yeah. I'm just staggered. And I, a should, lot out there. I, I shouldn't be because, you know, in Washington, DC, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of national associations and sure. and uh of course that would trickle down into the states so uh i shouldn't be that surprised but i but i, I, I was so um <laughs> so your job uh is is not getting easier either it's gotten tougher it's gotten tougher for sure but i would say it's gotten more meaningful you know when you think about the organizations that we're supporting we like to say that our mission is yeah. supporting the mission of other nonprofits you kind of um, alluded to that. So it's, it's important work and it's tiring, but it's, it's meaningful. Are hospitals uh, part of, of that? They are part of the total nonprofits. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. So they're included in that total 20,000. They're not as engaged with the Alliance just because they have their own hospital association and health related associations, but they are included in that as are, you know, our, our colleges and a lot of our education um, organizations. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, so on the education front, how has that gone through all of this? As far as the education that we're providing? Yes. 
Well, that's definitely been ramped up <laughs> for Zoom for the has first changed the world, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. It truly has. And I think, you know, there's a very real thing about Zoom fatigue. Um, but we, for a while there, for the first two to three months of this um, pandemic, we were offering weekly or twice a week um, educational webinars for our members because there was just so much need and confusion and um, need for resources. So um, we're, we've kind of slowed that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and now we're moving to some other really timely topics, but you know, this isn't going anywhere, uh, anytime soon. So we'll continue to keep that up. Fantastic. So, so, um, you weren't, I mean, this had to, it it shook things up, but it didn't change your business model. You didn't go out and say, oh my gosh, we need to redo everything that we're doing. You're already in the service world. We are. We just had to say, well, we can't do it in person as much as we love to. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, our mission remains the same. Nice. So um, I, I'm so happy you could be on the program today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Art. It's, it's been great. great. To get to I'm know glad you I remembered where I know you from. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have a question for you. Uh, sure. With COVID in mind, uh, I asked this of all of our guests. Uh, COVID is going to be, it's creating a lot of stories for each of us that we're going to be telling for decades. What's your story going to be like? I think my story is going to be like realizing that when life slows down uh, and you get to work from home and you get to spend more time with your family, that that is a precious gift. And I always try to look for the silver lining. And while COVID is, has been horrific, um, there are some positive things that we can see coming out of this, and that will be my story. Nice. Thanks again, Kristen. You are a rescuer. Thank you so much, Thank you Art. Very Thanks much. for all you're doing. Thank you. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Sponsored by RC Auto, where it's not just an exchange of keys, it's a relationship.